How far can we go in reducing health care expenses without reducing quality? According to my guest today, all of us, practitioners, hospitals, and managed care companies have been looking at the situation in ways that won't help, but he says he knows the answer. You're listening to Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special series on public health policy in America. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Eugene Litvak, who is the director for the Program for Management of Variability in Healthcare Delivery at Boston University Health Policy Institute. That's a mouthful. Today we're talking about something, until I had read his papers, I knew little or nothing about variability in healthcare and how studying it can cut costs, increase quality, and actually lower mortality figures. Welcome, Gene. Hello, Mike. This is a fascinating subject, but before we get into it, tell us something about yourself and give us an overview of your work. My training, my background, and my advanced degree doctorate is in operations management. The last 12 years, I'm working in the area of healthcare, trying to apply operations management, which was absolutely foreign to this field. Uh, any other industry in the world, except for healthcare, probably is using operations management, military, finances, etc., etc., transportation, etc. Uh, healthcare has been an exception for many, many years, and it's long overdue that operations management should be applied in healthcare. Roughly speaking, it's managing operations. It's looking at the hospital or primary care physician office or specialist office as a system rather than the set of silos. So in other words, you're cutting the emotion out of the equation and really looking at what's happening. Yes. And actually, I would say that might be even an overstatement. We are trying to incorporate emotions when possible, when it's not against cost or patient-centeredness. Let's get right into it. You state, I read some of the papers that you sent me, and you state that managed care companies say there's still waste in the system, and doctors argue that cutting costs will reduce quality, and we're kind of both wrong. Can you explain this? Yes, that's kind of a unique situation when both sides are right and both sides are wrong. Let me try to explain it given one example. Many hospitals, if you talk to hospital executives today, you will hear from many of them that they need additional resources, mostly beds, and many hospitals in the country, they're building beds. So if you ask them another question, how many beds exactly and what kind do you need? Do you need three or seven additional intensive care unit beds? Do you need 10 or 15 medical surge beds? Do you need two or four additional telemetry beds. Nobody can answer this question. When you try to talk to the insurance industry, HMOs, you will hear from them that the hospital have a lot of fat. And what we were trying to do is to ask them the same question. If we want to cut the hospital beds, we believe that they are overbedded, how should we do it? At the particular hospital, should we cut two med surge beds or five, one ICU or five ICU beds, etc., etc. Neither side today is able to answer this question. And that's an amazing situation. Just imagine that you're going to the bank and you want to borrow money. They will ask you two basic questions. How much do you want to borrow and what this is for? And just imagine that you answer to them, I don't know, to each of their questions. How much would you get? 
that's exactly the situation when the health, where the healthcare is today. We are asking for additional resources without able to justify the demand and without able to quantify the demand and without a stopping point for this demand. The reason for that is the lack of using operations management, which is an objective way of calculating first whether you need the resources and if yes, how much. So do you think that both sides, both of our sides are arguing this way because we're just trying to protect our financial interests and we're not really looking at the system? Yes. And we are not used to look at the system or operations management in healthcare. Just imagine that we have this conversation at the Ford company and people would discuss what do we need to do in order to make Ford good competitor with a Toyota, etc., etc. How you would make these cars compete with others? And instead, what they would do at the factory? They would discuss what needs to be done to the engine, what needs to be done to the transmission, maybe tires, brakes, etc. So they would pay attention to the operations management, operations of the car. What do we do in healthcare? We rather discuss how much different parties should be paid. So all our debates, instead of looking in the contents of the black box, we discuss uh, how much should be different party paid in order to improve something we do not know what. In one of your papers, you discuss various ways in which we go about cost reduction. So, and let's discuss them and why they don't, do or don't work. So the first thing you said is when you want to start cost reduction, you start with negotiating lower costs for materials. Let's talk about that. That was one of the first steps that the healthcare industry decided to take when the cost all of a sudden, out of the blue sky, we sure that we have to reduce the cost. We never had a problem with that, and all of a sudden, we have to reduce the cost. Well, let's stop for one second. Why did we not have a problem with it before? What suddenly happened, you know? Because the healthcare used to be cost plus reimbursed. Okay. Before we finish this question, if you're just joining the discussion, you're listening to Public Health Policy in America on Reach MDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Eugene Litvak, Professor of Healthcare and Operations Management and Director of the Program for Management of Variability in Healthcare Delivery at Boston University Health Policy Institute. We're discussing managing variability or how to really hone healthcare costs without cutting quality. Okay, so to answer that question, did the price just skyrocket or we just woke up one day? The price was gradually increasing and we woke up one day figuring out that it's high. Let me give you an example that I give to my students in my course on the healthcare management. Suppose that you're running a pizza shop. Suppose that the cost of your pizza is $5. Suppose that the cost of the delivery of your pizza is $3. You know that the cost of your delivery, $3, is, has a waste incorporated. It is inflated. Why it is inflated? Because your drivers, they do not know proper routes. And you don't know proper routes either, and you don't care. As long as your customers are buying your pizza for 5 plus $3, $8, you're fine. Now, all of a sudden, the government, your competitors, your customers, you name it, tell you starting from tomorrow morning, you should reduce your overall cost of $8 pizza. How would you do it? You still do not know how to deliver in an optimal way. So what would you do? You would reduce the cost of your pizza, so you would scrap some pepperoni and mushrooms out of your pizza. 
That's exactly what happened in the healthcare. We combined together the clinical cost and the cost of management, and we were trying to reduce it. So as long as we are trying to control the combined cost of the cost of the healthcare management and the clinical cost, which should be left alone, in my opinion, we are going to pay with reduction in quality. Okay. So that doesn't really work. So next you mention that you fire the cleaning staff, or what you mean to say is the vulnerable staff whose work doesn't have an immediate effect on quality. What happened with that? Unfortunately, it has not been limited to firing the cleaning staff. It went much beyond that point. I remember very well, several years ago, competition between the hospitals who would fire more nurses to reduce the cost. Now it looks ridiculous, but if you look at the newspapers of about 12, you know, 15 years old, you'll find this very discussion that this hospital fired 5% of nurse, whatever, certain number of nurses, ex-nurses, and another hospital fired Y nurses in order to reduce the cost. Now we have a shortage of nurses in the country. That's exactly what happened when you act in non-scientific way, when you shoot in the dark, and you anticipate that your intuition, your feelings, your experience are going to help you in managing such a complex system. That's not going to work. So the next step, we were trying to fire whoever we can fire, and it didn't work either. So maybe we should have fired the administrators who were doing all the firing. Sounds like a good idea, or at least to educate them before they do anything. The next thing that we all do to try and cut costs is we hire management consultants. Something I see is just generates huge mistakes. I've never found a management consultant I really liked yet in a hospital, so let's talk about that. Yeah, nothing wrong is with management consultants. And I would be hypocritical saying that it's wrong because I frequently act myself as a consultant operations management of healthcare institution. So what, is, what could be wrong with that? Let us look why do we hire consultants. We hire consultants frequently to protect us against our board, to tell us something that we may know ourselves. And what happened actually as a result of that, that we hire consultants who do not know operations management themselves. As the former editor-in-chief of New England Journal of Medicine, Jerome Casira said 10 years ago, uh, we hire people who take our wristwatch to tell us what the time is. So hiring consultant of itself is not wrong. What the healthcare institution should make sure that the consultant they hire, they should be able to balance cost and quality. That's a critical point, that the consultants who they hire, they do not do patching of the problem. Oh, let's do this. Let's try that. And I've heard that another institution across the street did that and it did work. So let's try on you. I can tell you, you don't want to go to your primary care physician who would apply to you or would suggest you the drugs that he has heard work for some another patient without taking your own vital signs. Yeah, it seems to me the management consultants that I've seen in hospitals don't use variability theory. What they do is they just look for ways for the hospital to generate more money. They create more programs. They create more things like that. That's absolutely true. Suppose that you and I are primary care physicians, and we share one exam room. So today, 
you and I schedule our patients to come at 9 a.m. Your patient came two minutes earlier than mine. Your patient went to this room. You were working with the patient in the exam room, and I'm with my patient sitting outside. So the next day, vice versa, so you and I found that it doesn't work and that seemingly exam rooms are bottleneck. So what do we do? We decided to, that we need another exam room, and we invested in another exam room. So starting from tomorrow, you schedule two of your patients come at 9, and I schedule two of my patients come at 9 because we have two exam rooms. So what happened? Two of your patients again in two exam rooms, and I'm waiting even longer with two of my patients outside. So it's clear when I look at the problem at this particular primary care clinic, my suggestion was just to reduce the number of exam rooms by 40% and the situation improved. A special thanks to Dr. Eugene Litvak, who's been our guest. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to a special ReachMD XM157 series, Public Health Policy in America, The Great American Healthcare Debate. For questions or comments, complete program information, and on-demand podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com. And thank you for listening.